0: Chapter 5, in which Professor Burbage reveals her plan. At 11.30 the next morning, half a dozen fourth-years awoke in the laundry room, grumbling to have to get up so early for their noon class. This was Mungle Studies, a new course only just introduced to the Bogwart curriculum. It had been specially created for the arrival of a new celebrity professor, Miss Verity Burbage. Not many young wizards in the other four houses had much interest in studying non-magical folk. But because it was entirely book-based, the school had deemed it ideal for the mostly squiff and unclassifiable students of Bwark. "'Do you think we'll even learn much?' snidely asked Teresa as they walked down the corridor. "'My uncle's neighbours are Mungles, and they're dead boring. Astrophysicians or something. Who thinks of these dumb Mungle jobs?' "'If they bother to teach us anything, that is,' said Teresa."
1: What do you mean? said Hugo, fishing a forgotten slice of pizza out of his robe pocket. What I mean is, I think this class has more to do with Professor Burbage than it does with any new found wizard interests in Mongols. Eh? said Snidely. You'll see.
0: Walking with the three friends were fellow Botley Orkers Jadrujit Singh, Hideki Twaddle, and Khadije Shirazi. Khadije's twin brother, Husro, should have been there too, but he was still in detention for trying to teach the Domus Elves how to file tax returns. "'Here it is,' said Teresa, stopping in front of a nondescript door with peeling paint. They were in a newer wing of the castle, which had been designed in a brutalist concrete style of the 1950s. Despite the enthusiasm of then-headmaster Dippitt, the cinderblock aesthetic had not aged well and clashed horribly with the castle's more gothic medieval sections.' The new wing looked very shabby and old despite its newness and had become the place where most of the unpopular or experimental classes were taught including many of those taken by warrior students welcome welcome a woman's cheery voice sailed out of the classroom the six entered a mostly bare chamber full of dust and small ugly desk chairs a tall blonde woman stood at the far end she was smiling like someone trying to pass wind without anyone knowing which made the bark students instinctively wrinkle their noses. "'Come sit with your fellow classmates,' the woman said, gesturing to the uninviting little desks. On the right was a full contingent of second-year Hufflenuffs. The Boulan-Buttorkers didn't question this, as they were often put in classes with younger students, but for some reason the two older Griffin bores Ted and Joe Beasley, were also present." They looked as though they'd wandered in totally ignorant of what was going on, and with nothing better to do, simply sat down. Their vacant expressions also suggested they might be on one of their infamous confundus brownie binges. They smelled funky, so Snidely and the others sat as far away as they could. "'Well, I think everyone is here now, so we can begin.' The woman's smile faded a little as she scanned the room, perhaps having expected a few more faces. "'I'm Verity Burbage.' she began, with a knowing smile, suggesting, of course, everyone knew that. The room was stone silent. And it is my immense pleasure to welcome you to Bogwart's newest class, the Lives of Non-Magical Humans, or Mongol Studies for short. Ted Beasley put up his hand for some reason. Uh, yes? Why is the sky blue? He said in a dreamy whisper. Professor Burbage stared at Ted in bafflement, her mouth hanging slightly open. I uh I think questions will best be held to the end if that's all right she cleared her throat having lost her composure a bit and put on the glasses dangling from a rope around her neck this course will examine the culture history and lives of mongols from prehistoric times to the present day we'll delve into their similarities and differences with wizard kind and begin to appreciate the wonderful ingenuity with which a clearly more challenged race has met the same problems as wizards, but without the ability to perform magic. Teresa raised her hand sharply. Professor Burbage looked up, narrowing her eyes a bit. I'm sorry, we'll hold all questions... What do you mean, challenged? Are you saying Mongols are stupid or something? bit prejudiced? I'm not at all. What I mean is, kind certainly doesn't have the advantages of... and so their progress has been a bit retarded by... Retarded? said Hugo, flabbergasted. Do you have any idea what that word means in Mongol culture? I, Of course I do. My husband is a Mongol. My children are half-bloods. I think if any witch or wizard has the right, the authenticity
1: to talk about the Mongol experience, it is I. Well, I've got a Mongol dad, miss, and I'm from Little Winging, Surrey, where the only wizards for miles are my mum and Harry sodding patter. And I can tell you, you do not call someone retarded without asking for a swift kick in the bollocks.
0: Language, please, young man. And if you continue to use naughty words, it will have to be detention. Hugo scowled and fell silent. He'd only just finished his last detention, shoveling invisible Thestral dung. I should say, on that note, that as the author of the best-selling series of novels, Nancy Stopher at the Milton Keynes Academy, I think I've done as much research on munger life as any witch or wizard working today. Here we go, said Theresa to the others. Professor Burbage apparently didn't notice. So with no small pride, I will say that our main textbooks for the class will be the Nancy Stouffer novels themselves. They are a wealth of information on the Mungle world and will give all of you background on our more in-depth studies. Have either of you ever read these books? I haven't, snidely whispered. Not me, mate. Just seen the film. Load of girly bollocks, said Hugo. Girly bollocks, said Teresa. Before we look at the course outline... "'I have one further announcement,' said Burbage, drawing her hands together in front like a poncy little choir-child. "'Most people have some inkling, I think, that besides the four traditional Bogwart houses, there is a fifth, somewhat lesser-known house of sorts.' The Burke students looked up at this, surprised to ever hear someone mention their house. The Hufflepuffs seemed to have no idea what she was talking about. "'This is House Boak, or Bock in the local dialect.' This fifth house is a distinguished home for the many witches and wizards who find themselves differently abled from other normal wizards, some of whom are known as squiffs, which I think is a problematic term in this day and age. We're right here, you know, said Hugo, in the room. I have the privilege to announce that this year I will be submitting an application for House Burrach to be accepted as a recognized official house of Bogward with myself as head of house. You You what? what? cried the borkers as one.
1: Chapter 6 In which our heroes begin to plot mischief. Early the next morning, around about 11.48 a.m., several George students convened in the Great Hall for what they eccentrically called breakfast, having to make do instead with whatever seating was left at the end of the four main tables, far away from where the professors sat. Most often the Fifth House students found themselves sitting at the end of the Hufflepuff table, as Hufflepuff was in many ways closest to their level. Snidely chatted to Khusrau idly about the war in Bosnia, gazing up and down the long table. He suddenly locked eyes with Ernie McMalden, who scowled at him and turned away in disgust, clearly mouthing the word, ''Bitch.'' Hugo munched through an enormous bite of vinegar-doused chips, but did not let that get in the way of his following pontification. ''You know, one of me best mates is a mongrel.'' "'Name's Dudston. "'He likes us to call him Big D, "'but we call him Dudders, behind his back, like his mum does.' "'Does this story ever point nonsense?' "'Temmy Trilby snapped at Hugo, "'irritated by his spray of crumbs all over her robes. "'Everyone who knew him called none such nonsense "'when he started rambling, which was often. "'And, you know, one time as a lark, "'I kicked him right in the bollocks.' "'The girly bollocks?' "'Theresa said with a snort. "'Yeah.' And we call that Dada's Nutters. Hugo guffawed, pounding the table in hilarity. The rest of the group tried to resume their conversations, but Hugo wasn't finished. We'll go to the cinema, right? Big D always puts a fat load of seasoning and that on his popcorn. He puts on so much it leaks through the bottom of the bag onto his crotch. We call that Dada's Butters. He collapsed into a fit of violent giggles, shaking so hard that he knocked the serious face Husserl off his seat to the stone floor. The cold, fishy eyes of Professor Snipe peered over his daily profit at the commotion taking place at the Hufflepuff table. Once Hugo had calmed down, those seated near him assumed the husky lad's tirade had subsided, but they were wrong. So, Dadders, he's a big fat bloke, right? Hugo snorted out through bites of apple turnover. The rest of the brewerkers turned their heads slowly to stare at Hugo, struck that their undeniably portly friend would have the audacity to call anyone else a big fat bloke. So he's so fat that he's got these dirty, great man-melons. We call them Dada's adders. With that, Hugo broke into such raucous peals of laughter, his belly jiggling, that bits of half-chewed food rained over his schoolmates in every direction. Teresa had had quite enough. Oh, would you shut the fuck up? She bellowed, slamming her cutlery down on the table and causing Hugo to jump, sending food and students flying. A dark shadow loomed over their plates. Professor McDonigal approached. Oh, get out of here, you pack of both these dobbers! And with that, she magically shunted the Boiwyrgikers out of the great hall, higgledy-piggledy. <laughs> the five friends wandered about the castle and eventually decided to take up one of their favorite pastimes, staircase hopping. Since the school's earliest days, the staircases of Bogwart had been enchanted to move from floor to floor. What the Baronimork students enjoyed very much was to mount a stationary staircase and, as soon as it shifted enough, jump to the next one below. This was, needless to say, an extremely dangerous activity that had resulted in many broken bones and trips to the hospital wing. In 1761, in fact, a Fifth House student had reportedly died from one such jump after huffing powdered hippogriff urine. The practice had been officially banned as a result by Headmaster Derwent, but this had done virtually nothing to dissuade the accident-prone Bayeric students from it. Teresa asked Snidely as the two of them watched a shrieking Temmie land with a thud on the staircase below. Snidely pondered this question for a moment. He had certainly disliked the bombastic Professor Burbage, with her fake smile and simpering, preachy attitude. Bit of a loony for sure. Why'd you ask?
0: Well, if she's set on being our head of house, then we'd better be prepared to bloody do something about it, don't you think?
1: Theresa was always prepared to do something about
0: it, whatever it happened to be at the moment. Isn't Felch our head of house anyway? Seems a bit disrespectful, innit? Of course it is. It's a load of crap. Felch may be an odd smelly git, but he's a damn sight better than that blonde bitch
1: will be if she gets her paws on us. Slightly had to agree. The enthusiasm of Professor Burbage was a worrying development, one that seemed primed to throw a wrench right into the boyurker's plans. Those plans being, of course, to goof off all year and do whatever the hell they wanted. Felch understood this very well. He had neither the time, patience, nor inclination to push his students to learn much of anything, instead preferring to leave them to their own nefarious devices. As long as they knew how to mop up a bathroom full of pumpkin-juice vomit and scrub a toilet destroyed by rock-cake diarrhea by the end of their time at Bogwart, Felch considered his job as their de facto mentor very well accomplished. As he careened magnificently through the air towards the staircase below him, snidely considered how exactly they could stop the clearly insane Professor Burbage from ruining their school experience. Just as he believed he had hit upon the perfect idea, the skinny behind of the daredevil Temmie smacked him square in the back of the head, having herself dropped fifteen feet directly after him. Another day, another trip to the hospital wing to treat a mild concussion. As Snidely and Temmie wobbled down the hall to visit Madame Pomfrey, the rest of the Barkers continued their reckless ways with joyous abandon.
0: so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to support the show, nothing helps more than telling your friends in person and spreading the word on social media. You can find our pages on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. For more info on the show, go to our website at borkpodcast.wordpress.com. That's Bork spelled B-O-R-K-E. Here you'll also find artwork by the authors and friends, as well as PDF copies of every episode Thanks again, and see you next week.